Welcome back to EV News Daily. Coming up today, an EV public charging bonanza. The Tesla Model 3, so-called Highland, launches in the US, finally, and Renault's V to G plans. Plus, stay tuned, because later in the show, I'll tell you what BMW are saying about their plans to close combustion car factories in favour of EVs. I'm Martin Lee, and I go through hundreds of articles, feeds, and stories a day, so you don't have to. We're live at 8am UK, 5am Eastern, to start your brand new day with all you need to know. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Now we'll start with news of Tesla's updated Model 3, previously available in Europe, China and Middle East, so-called Highland. Not sure Tesla have ever said that's the official code name for it. I think we just all started using that after a Reuters report. Um, is now on sale in the United States, Canada and Mexico. Interior enhancements include a new 8-inch rear display for infotainment and climate control, ventilated seats, higher quality materials, acoustic glass and customizable ambient lighting. Exterior modifications are things like the new integrated fog lights and indicators in the main headlights, the front design optimised for better aero and connected rear lights as well. Two new colour options with this, the Ultra Red and the Stealth Grey. Now, the vehicle comes in two variants, as it does everywhere else. Rear wheel Model 3, which has an EPA of 272 miles, and long range all-wheel drive Model 3 uh, with 341 miles. That's an increase, isn't it? A slight increase on the old EPA of the long range. Either way, Model 3 Highland is not eligible for the IRA tax credit because of the battery composition. That makes it comparatively more expensive than a Model Y. Man, these incentives in the US right now, uh, there's good and bad. And one of the weirdness about it is you can get the new Model Y or the existing Model Y for cheaper than the new Model 3. That doesn't make any sense unless you really want, really want a Model 3, in which case, well, it's great news. Uh, the performance trim... Yes, eager observers will note, is still absent. In development, I should say, actually. Uh, the older version is now no longer available in the US. However, there is existing stock. So if you really do want indicator stalks and gear shift stalks and performance, and you don't mind about the slight refresh, and it is a very slight refresh, by the way. It makes the best even better, many would say. But then go for that because it's in stock and there's about $5,000 discount on some of those. And I think you get the IRA tax credit as well on the old or the existing, what went out of date yesterday, Model 3 performance. A relative bargain because it's cheaper than the long range. Again, weirdness. Uh, the um, uh, the car uh, in terms of the performance we think is is coming but still no firm rumours on that. Now, leasing. Uh, leasing the Model 3 may be the alternative, as it does include the $7,500 federal tax credit because the company leasing it to you, which in Tesla's case is Tesla, can claim that and then hopefully pass it on in full. But fly in the ointment. Tesla don't tend to let you buy the car at the end of the lease period, do they? So again, if you were doing that to then purchase the vehicle after well, for three, four, five years, then not an option there. So, good news it's finally out. Also, weirdness that it's cheaper to get a Model Y with the tax credit, which is, again, now fully refundable, even if your personal tax uh, liability doesn't go up to the full 7500 
dollars. Yeah, weirdness, craziness, but hey. Uh, we'll talk Tesla a bit more, actually, in terms of the biggest selling cars in the US. But now let's talk Hertz, the rental company, and Tesla, putting up a selection of their rented Tesla models out through their Rent to Buy sales program. It's on their website right now. Now, this could be for a couple of reasons. Hertz have recently had a little bit of buyer's regret in their financial statements talking about how they didn't appreciate how costly electric cars, particularly Teslas, were. And so, obviously, in a rental fleet, things get battered around. They've got a very robust um, system of repairing those existing models which they had in their fleet. Now, they went very electric with Tesla, as you'll remember, and they were caught somewhat with their trousers down in terms of the ongoing maintenance costs of those when they get damaged. And so... What could be happening here? They could be doing a little bit of a mini reversal and selling off their stock and not replacing it. This could just be natural churn, which is what I'm inclined to believe. But I you know, that's based on nothing, by the way. I just I'm inclined to believe that Hertz are refreshing their stock. The stuff that's two years old is they're you know getting rid of that. It's what a lot of rental companies, lease companies, tend to do. It could what well, they could be winding back their te- their Tesla commitment. We don't know. Uh, they haven't said. But either way, we do know that. A- ton of Model 3s and some Model Ys are now listed online, and you can get a relative bargain, depending on if you don't mind buying an ex-rental car. Uh, so, because they're used cars, potentially you can benefit from the EV tax credit of $4,000 on used EVs, less than $25,000. Again, according to your earnings, if you're not over the limit as a filer or a joint filer. So, Let's have a look at what the pricing is. Well, some of the pricing started as low as $17,700 earlier today. Uh, that would drop to $13,700 for a couple of years old Model 3. As of recording, uh, those deals have now gone from the website, starting just under 20000 but still, take four grand off of that. If it applies, and I can't find a definitive answer either way, by the way, if the used EV tax credit does apply, it either, it, it's, it's still a steal if you don't mind buying an ex-rental. And so, bearing in mind how people treat rental cars, I've had an ex-rental car, and it's been utterly fine. I think I had a a Skoda Octavia that was ex-rental. Absolutely fine. Very reliable. It's all VW bits in it anyway, but very reliable and never let me down. And that could be something that you want to have a look at. Now, uh, potential buyers can rent the car for up to three days at a very special rate, or just have a free two-hour test drive to make sure you like it. And you might not like it, and you may say, I'm not going to go ahead with the purchase. It's too dinged and donged. I don't like it. It's got too much wear and tear around the edges. Um, if you do purchase the Tesla from Hertz after that, they they waive the, the three-day rental charge uh, off of the purchase price. Sounds like a good deal. Like I say, ex-rental, buyer beware. But it, it, it's certainly, certainly a very cheap way of getting some electric transport in fact, fantastic electric transport, because the Model 3 is brilliant, and doing it in a way that, well, if you are driving a car that is going to be a working vehicle, you know, pets and kids and all that kind of stuff, not something that's going to be a trophy on a shelf, but something that is, is, going, to, is going to work for its living, then you might not mind having an ex-rental. Let's talk Renault next and the R5, the forthcoming R5 model. Renault say today is going to be equipped with vehicle-to-grid technology. Now, let me be clear, vehicle-to-load technology is somewhat easy because you put AC power into an EV and then you can store it as DC energy inside the traction battery 
And then often with a you know a dongle or an adapter, you can pull, depending on what part of the world, anywhere between one and a half and three kilowatts of AC power back out of the inverter. Sometimes it uses, uh, depending on the model, a combination of the, the motors get involved as well, not the inverter. But either way, Renault talking V to G, which is a whole different level of integration into your home, into your fuse board, into the grid and the electricity companies as well. They say that they are developing a unique bi-directional charger that will be on board the new Renault 5 when it launches. And this is interesting because that's what the, the Renault Zoe I've had two Zoes, and that had a very innovative onboard charger as well. And so Renault continuing that, that, that innovation by being able to supply AC to your wall-mounted charger at home, which then connects to your main board in your building. Uh, they've called it Mobilize V2G, and it can pause charging during peak electricity hours, and it can inject power back into the home or the grid when prices are high or demand is substantial, and it can activate charging during times when electricity is less expensive. Now, I've recently moved on to the Octopus intelligent tariff. I'm going to make a whole podcast about that. It's saving me a freaking fortune, by the way. It's brilliant. I've got a, a referral code, which you can have a look at on my my, my X, my Twitter page. Um, if you are going to move to Octopus, I'd be grateful if you could use that as well. It's for friends uh, and you get 50 quid. Or if you move to Octopus and I get 50 quid as well, be very open and honest with that uh, that that deal. Um, I'll, make, I'll make sure that's pinned to the top of my Twitter X as well. And you've got to integrate all those things because Renault would need to do deals in every country with at least one electricity provider to have those grid signals coming into the car in order to know when to charge and not charge, etc. But that, that can be done, and that could be done today with Octopus, by the way. Uh, the V2G system in the Renault 5 consists of an onboard bidirectional charger with V2G technology and the mobilized power box, the bidirectional home charger. Um, when this arrives, we don't know. They say it's going to be from launch. I'm really excited about this because the Renault 5 is not going to be you know a, a top-end hundred grand car it's going to be something that families could get so let's talk bmw next and investing 650 million euros that's 712 million dollars to convert their primary factory in munich to exclusively make evs you knew that was coming already didn't you uh, the transformation involves four buildings and the new assembly line uh, all completed by the end of 2027 by the time the works are done This is a huge shift. Since 1922, the Munich plant has been making combustion vehicles and more recently plug-in hybrids as well. And then it started making the i4 EV. So in two years' time, in 2026, they'll start making the Neuerklasse EVs uh, with the advanced technology, extended range, faster charging, all those improvements we know coming with that new platform. Uh, They're also going to be made in Hungary, China and Mexico as well. But the Munich plant by 27 will undergo this huge Shift and BMW saying goodbye to combustion and hello to electrification. They'll move their engine production to the UK and Austria and BMW reporting strong demand for EVs and their EV projects uh, with over half a million fully electric cars sold in 2024 as their target. They're noting that all of its current EV models are profitable as well. So many people say, well, you know, the car companies aren't making money from EVs, BMW, like VW, saying, we make money from EVs. We're forward, we're pro EV, we're moving forward with EV. Again, watch out for these mainstream headlines that are circling right now to say that there's doom and gloom in EV world. I give you the data points every day on this podcast. It's simply not true. 
Let's talk about Volkswagen. Hey, no, we'll take a quick break, actually, and we'll run an ad or two on the free version of the podcast. I think you get a couple, actually, depending on your IP address and where you are. I don't know what, I don't know what you'll get served by my host, by the way, but enjoy the ads. Back in a second. Now, if you, like me, value your time, I do pay for a couple of things that get rid of the ads. I do pay for the the Netflix platform without the adverts. I do pay for YouTube Premium, which gets rid of the adverts. And if you'd like to get rid of the adverts from this podcast, uh, you can do that via Patreon and support for $5, $10 a month, maybe more if you want to support the work that I do. This is the only way I earn a living now, by the way, in 2024. It's moderately scary. Uh, Then you can, patreon.com slash EV News Daily for individuals, organizations, companies. If you want promotion as well, you hear me do it every day. Uh, I'm enormously grateful to those heroes that do that already. And the free version will always be free. So no worries if not. There's no pressure, of course. Uh, enjoy this version however you want to. Now, Volkswagen are next in the news, developing an entry-level electric city car. Could be called the ID1. We don't know. It's reminiscent of the Volkswagen Up or up exclamation mark. It's got a launch in 2026. Now, the ID1 slash up is going to be the budget EV, uh, under €20,000. Now, it's gonna ha- not going to have the biggest range in the world because with current battery technology and the footprint of the car, it's not going to be doing 400 miles, but it doesn't need to. It's about use case, isn't it? Uh, it aims to compete with upcoming models like the Renault Twingo and the Citroën EC3. Uh, the technical development head of Volkswagen, Kai uh, Grunitz, indicating the ID1 will be a direct successor to the up exclamation mark, sharing design elements and attributes. The model focusing on affordability before anything else to appeal to the widest possible range of customers. Now, the last I heard, and from the reading between the lines, the various statements with the new management there, I think VW is considering retaining their names. And I think that is enormously sensible. And I get what I totally get why established companies have done this with using new namings, like the, the EQ range at Mercedes, which is, I think, still a TBC for the long term. And also with the ID numbers with Volkswagen. But heck, I mean, Golf, Passat, Tiguan, these names mean things to everyday consumers. Maybe not you and I, because, you know, you listen to an EV podcast every day. And so you, you sort of, you're slightly different to the person that thinks about a new car purchase every three years. But, but, and that's not to be disparaging to those people, by the way. I'm saying that those people think of the name Golf and Passat and Tiguan. And, and that's why they Ford used F-150 Lightning for their truck. So two ways of doing it. Totally understand if they get rid of the ID1 number and just call it the Up EV then that would be cool. Let's talk about the biggest selling EVs in the US. Well, Tesla secured the top three spots once again. The list looks very similar to last year in 2023. Uh, the Model Y topped the list, you won't be surprised to hear, uh, followed by the Model 3. And uh, the Model Y, 394,500 units. Model 3, 221,000 units. Roughly, we think, according to Cox Automotive. And the Model X was ninth. Model S not on the list. Unsurprising. It's a very expensive vehicle. Other brands in the top 10 uh, have been seen in the top 10 before. I'll give you the top 10 in reverse order in the United States. Pure EVs, best-selling ones of last year. BMW i4 in 10th place. Then the Model X. The F-150 Lightning in 8th. In 7th was the R1S. And in 6th place, the Hyundai Arnic 5. Into the top 5, it was the Volkswagen ID.4. Then, in fourth place, Ford Mustang Mach-E. In third, Chevy Bolt and the EUV. Then in second, Model 3, first place, Tesla Model Y. And what's interesting in third place there is the Bolt selling 62,000 or so units. That is by far and away GM's EV business. The Ultium business is nothing at the minute. And so that's out of production as of two weeks ago. (laughs) What the heck is 24 going to look like? 
for General Motors and their brands. Ooh, well, we'll wait and see. Well, be good luck with the Ultium project there, but um, they're not selling any of them. All of their numbers came from the car, which they just put in the bin. Oops. Let's talk about some good news with charging. Headline story today, the Biden administration is releasing $623 million today from the $7.5 billion fund allocated in the bipartisan infrastructure law of 2021. It's for EV charging and green fueling initiatives. Transportation makes up about 30% or so of US greenhouse gas emissions. Now, this investment is part of broader efforts to establish green industries in the US, including EV battery production, EV production and charger production. The plan includes installation of 7,500 new EV charging ports uh, nationwide. 47 projects in 22 states and Puerto Rico uh, will benefit from this investment. Now, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg today talking about the sale of EVs in the US. Now, he named it at 1.4 million pure EVs last year. Interesting, because the numbers we gave you from Cox, which again weren't definitive, uh, yesterday on the show was 1.2 million. So that's a, a discrepancy. Need to check it wasn't including plug-in hybrids. It'd be num- the number would be bigger if it was, wouldn't it? Uh, representing 9% of US passenger vehicle sales. The initiative emphasizes expanding charging infrastructure in both rural and densely populated urban areas. Those are the areas where at the moment, leaving it up to the market... You're not going to get EVs in the middle of uh, charging in the middle of nowhere because if you leave it up to the market, they wouldn't put them there. And again, densely populated urban areas, it's just more difficult sometimes to put charge into these places. But the needs of communities with limited access to charging facilities is ever more important. Now, special attention is given to areas with multifamily apartment buildings and regions that have been underserved by charging so far. It's a great, great thing to be talking about today. Secretary Buttigieg. Referring to these developments today as the second automotive revolution. Uh, hyperbole? I don't think so. I think he's, he's pretty spot on with that. Uh, focused efforts on urban areas are crucial because of the knock-on effect. It's just one of those things that it just makes sense. And I hate the way that EVs have become politicised because the EV subsidies in the US were a Republican thing. It came in under Bush. And the idea of making your own power, of being self-sufficient, of generating your electricity with solar panels on your roof, of looking after yourself, of of not needing to rely on, on a big fueling infrastructure state-supported network, it seems to me like that would be Republican values. But they, for some reason, it's become, well, we know why, since the Trump era, everyone took a position and now the done thing is like, you know, what am I meant to think about this? Well, I vote this way, therefore I meant to think like this. And it frustrates the heck out of me because it shouldn't be politicised either way. Politics can happen over there, over here with electric vehicles. We should just be getting on with it because by funding charging in particularly urban areas, you get higher EV density, you reduce emissions, you improve air quality. That improves public health. People spend less money on asthma and public health-related issues, and that makes people's lives better, and it's a virtuous circle. It shouldn't be a political issue. Uh, Specific allocations include $3 million dollars Uh, in Idaho Falls for new electric charging stations on highways there. North Carolina, Kings Mountain is going to get 34 charging ports near the highways in the growing business districts. And the availability of new charging stations will positively influence the adoption of EVs in the US because of the visibility of chargers, because people who don't drive EV yet are saying, well, I don't see where I could charge. And so physically having them like the amount of petrol stations that you see everywhere makes people think oh okay well maybe i maybe i could go ev one day yeah maybe 
you think so. Right, we'll take a quick break. Another couple of ads, maybe one or two. Uh, back in a sec. Let's finish off, but we're by far from done with the good news today. North Carolina's Department of Transportation has released a digital map today uh, detailing proposed locations for electric vehicle charging stations. Uh, The map is part of the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, the NEVI initiative. It serves as a guide for any applicants seeking NEVI funds uh, to manage their own network of charging stations. Each is uh, marked on a map, which represents an exit or a group of exits where chargers are needed. Uh, NCE's DOT has secured $109 million of the NEVI funds for a charging station network. Uh, The proposals are going in February, and then they'll start planning on who gets the money and getting the charges in the ground. Now, Smart is a name that we'll be talking about a lot more because Smart is no longer just the little dinky two- and four-seater cars. They've reimagined the brand, if you haven't heard, and they're making much bigger vehicles now as well. Smart has introduced their first chargers. Too. I love this when a car company actually brands, makes their, their own and brands their own EV chargers. Now, this is in China, by the way. Uh, they are 800-volt uh, capable chargers. Uh, they will deliver 700 amps. Holy bazookas. They're launching with 600 amps, but they will potentially increase to 700. So 500 kilowatts, give or take, of power. Uh, of course, we're using the latest liquid cooling technology on 800-volt systems. Now, the smart cars at the moment are 400-volt systems, um, but they can... Uh, there's a roadmap, I think, to utilise the 800-volt technology uh, from the parent Geely company and the Volvo platforms, etc. Right, BYD are next in the news, introducing a new car. Again, it's China only, so I know that you know you and I can't buy this, but it's very interesting to talk about because this is their luxury performance sub-brand at BYD, and it's called Yangwang, which doesn't sound luxury and, and uh, aspirational to me, but it doesn't necessarily translate to English very well. But anyway... Get yourself a new Yangwang, and you won't regret it, because the new Yangwang is a four-wheel drive, uh, 1,000-horsepower monster, typical three-box sedan, uh, big boot, uh, not a a liftback or hatchback, uh, but also kind of a big bonnet at the front. Very traditional-looking shape, actually. doesn't look kind of crazy EV. It's a super saloon, if you like, uh, with the blade battery from BYD. They've got the U8 and the U9 as well. Uh, The U7, uh, you're going to use all of the great... latest greatest BID technology which has made them the world's number one EV maker surpassing Tesla uh, in the last quarter of last year this is going to go up against cars like the BMW i5, Mercedes-Benz EQE these are real premium vehicles and it's on sale in China this year it's uh, BYD's E4 platform, uh, all designed by the former head of designer Audi who now works there, Wolfgang Egger sort of five and a half, no so 5.2 metres long, two metres wide big luxury executive car and amazing specs. And what's it going to cost? Maybe a hundred grand, maybe a million yuan, hundred and ten thousand dollars, pounds equivalent. Not for everyone. I like to highlight this because it just gets over the perception that the Chinese just making cheap crap, and it's really not. They're making some amazing stuff, and who knows that might that might be exported to Western markets one day. Maybe maybe not with the the Yang Wang name. We're going to buy yourself a nice new Mercedes. I5, uh, BMW i5, Mercedes EQE, or the Yang Wang, either way. Uh, let's move on. Final story today. Well done, Toyota. Toyota have uh, tried to fix some of the problems of the BZ4X with a 2024 model year in the United States. The first models will be at dealerships later this month. The BZ4X in front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive versions have had 
Some basics fixed, let's say. Toyota didn't previously show the state of charge as a percentage on the display. They now do. And the estimated charge time to 80%. Basic stuff, it now does. And the estimated vehicle range during charging, it now does. They have also said, yes, we know the car didn't charge when it was cold, and so we're trying to fix that. A new water-to-water heat exchanger and heat adjustment valve, they say, in the battery's thermal management system. So some hardware changes going into the BZ4X, and you would think Subaru Solterra as well. Uh, these updates address previous issues with charging performance in the cold when it would just... It was just awful. Uh, there was some Scandinavian journalists that tested it. They couldn't even get the thing to charge in the cold weather. Uh, and, and I think there's still the limit of how many DC fast charges you can do in a 24-hour period. It's time-based. It's bonkers. But either way, uh, sorry if you bought a BZ4X. And if you love it, then I hope it, you absolutely love it. And I'm entirely wrong on the vehicle. Because, hey, uh, it's got buyers, and they seem to be happy. So... Good for them. Uh, right, let's uh, thank our premium partners of the podcast, and I'll be on my way. Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland, and in Hawaii, they are Aloha Charge, Derek Riley and Nevo.ie. Ireland's first electric uh, vehicle show in partnership with the Bank of Ireland is Feb 17th in Dublin. Uh, get more info and tickets at Nevo.ie. And Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map. And least plan electric moments. All the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.